Welcome to another episode of the Cool Tools Show and Tell. Our special guest this week is Luke Stein. Hey Luke, would you mind introducing yourself to our watchers and listeners? I would love to. Thank you, Kevin, so much for having me on. My name is Luke Stein, and I am a finance professor at Babson College. Uh, we're an entrepreneurship-focused liberal arts undergraduate and graduate school outside of Boston. Well, fantastic. So glad that you've joined us. As a Cool Tool fan, I'm sure you know what the, the drill is. We'd like to hear some of your favorite tools, and maybe you can start with um, your number one pick for today. Great. Thank you so much, Kevin. Well, as you noted, I, I am a fan. Um, so the first tool that I want to introduce is uh, is a flashlight. Um, I have a couple different flashlights here with me, um, but the one I want to show is uh, is a model called the Workos FC11. Um, this is about a $20 um, LED flashlight. It's made in China. Um, and Workos is the maker. They have kind of a, a sister company, it seems, um, called Sofern, and those two companies together have a lot of great uh, of great LED flashlight models. Okay, and the um, one you're holding up is was fairly small. It was, I would, yeah, about, I would say it's kind of about cigar sized, yeah, cigar, maybe. A short cigar. So it's not a massive, you know, kind of someone you beat someone on the head with. It's a, it's not a mini mini one either. It's kind of a medium sized one. That's, I would say, something you'd probably have in your desk somewhere. Yeah, it, you know, th this, this, is, um, this is a model that can kind of fit. Um, it fits nicely in your pocket. Um, it's a little bit big for, for me to carry. be sort of an everyday carry. Right. Um, right. I do have, like, I do have a, you know, a smaller model sure. that they make, um, which I'm holding up now. This one is, is probably about the size of my thumb um, and, and actually is made of brass just mm. more for aesthetics than anything else. But um, what, I, what I like about these flashlights is this. So I, I had a retina detachment um, last year. I've now had two um, in the last year. And I'd, o I'd sort of o already liked flashlights and, and used them camping and, and uh, stuff like that. But it's become a lot harder for me to see things in the dark right. after my retina detachment. And so um, I found myself kind of using flashlights around the house a lot more. And I had some right. old you know, junky ones that would use AA batteries and stuff like that. And the, the innovation, I think, in the technology and these products, when I started yeah. to look into it in the last few years, is just, like, right. amazing. So, um, so so going going to the batteries. Yeah. Uh, because that's a big thing. So, you know, I also, here's here are mine sitting oh, right nice. here at the desk. Yeah. I, I also have just become in the habit of grabbing one just – for the same reason, maybe my eyes are getting old, but I just like that little bit of additional light, and and I find it so easy to have them everywhere. But I use ones. My favorites are the ones that take one AA battery, okay, chargeable one, and that's yep. what I sort of gravitate to because I have you know I have mounds of rechargeable AA's mm -hmm. that I use, yeah, and I can just swap them out instantly. So. So, the, so I, I'll tell you, I mean, there's, there's kind of two things that I like about um, some of the, the, the models that I've chosen. So one is um, this model that I'm showing, the FC11, and also some of the smaller ones, they have a, uh, they have a replaceable battery, but it's a rechargeable battery. Um, but they also have a built-in battery charger. So you can swap out the battery in here 
um, for another rechargeable, but it also has a little USB port on the oh, side. Wow. And so you can charge it in your car or you can charge it when you're traveling. Um, and for me, like that's partly the, the, the game changing feature at home. Maybe like you, I have a lot of rechargeable batteries. I have all kinds of um, electronic tools and toys, but especially for traveling when I'm on the road, you can kind of always find a USB port. And this USB-C port, it's the same thing that I use to charge my laptop. It's uh, the same thing that I use to charge my Kindle. And so it's not an extra charger. You can always kind of top it up yeah. um, in the evening. That's really cool. So you can, so, so it's recharging the rechargeable battery inside. Exactly right. So it's it's got a, um, I'm just right now on screen for the listeners, I'm right. unscrewing the cap and I'm just going to pull the battery out. So it's Right. It's a it's a it's a lithium ion battery. It's not right. a um it's not a an alkaline disposable right, right, double right, right, A, right, right. um but it's a standard size battery, and so you can buy yeah, extras right. if you want them. There's there's one other thing that has really just been awesome for me about um some of these uh, Workos and Sofer models, and um and I would just say so there's a there's a fantastic list um which is made by a flashlight reviewer there's like this wild community of flashlight aficionados um i don't know this guy but he seems to be um sort of a top guy his name is zach z-a-k and um i came across this list it was sent by a friend if you if you google like zach flashlight list okay. and he has a, a sort of list of recommendations the other thing that i really like about these workos and sofern models aside from the fact that they're pretty inexpensive and they they, they have this built-in recharger, is um they go really, really dim at the dim end. And I find I use that all the time. Like a lot of the marketing around flashlights seems to be around how they can blast out a bajillion lumens. And even if they can do that, they can often only do it for like 10 seconds. And I understand there's hunters and outdoors people who may, like, I don't need a bajillion lumens. <laughs> Typically what I want is I want to be able to, you know, read a menu, um, Mm -hmm. uh, without sort of blowing anybody else's eyes up. And so they have this, they, they go much dimmer than like the flashlight that's built into my iPhone. Um, they can, they have a moonlight mode that comes on with one button right at the kind of dimmest setting that you wow. often need. So that's part of what I really like about these. Yeah. And so speaking of, of that, um, how much does it cost? So the, um, the little thumb sized one that I showed first, which is called the SC 20. Oh, I didn't, I don't, maybe I didn't show this one. No. This smaller SC21 is um is kind of a thumb size model with a built-in um charger. This one's I think about twenty dollars. Okay. And they're available on Amazon. Um, they're also they're a little bit cheaper. Which battery does, does that take a AAA then? Uh, so it's it doesn't take a AAA because it's a it's a lithium ion. They don't take um they don't take disposable alkaline batteries. Um, but this one takes a well, really but, small. I mean the AAA size. I mean. You can get lithium ion rechargeable. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. So yeah, so this one takes a um, it's a C20. it's a sixteen three forty, I guess, okay. which means it's sixteen in diameter, I think, and uh -huh. thirty four long. It's it's a little bit sh um, this one's a little bit fatter but shorter than a AAA. Right, um, but it's also that's also a recharge. You can find those. Yeah, that's also rechargeable, and you can recharge it in the in the light or um or outside. Cool. And then the um, the FC11, this kind of cigar-shaped one, um, I think this one is about twenty-five or twenty-eight dollars um, on Amazon. All this stuff you can you can get cheaper if you order it directly from the manufacturers. Um, 
but they ship from their manufacturing warehouse, I think, in China. So right, right, it's right. the kind of thing where if you'll if you'll wait, you can you can save sort of a little bit. But right, if you're, I mean, it makes sense if you're buying more than one. But yeah. Yeah. And they do. um, So they have like they have a lantern um, that I Mm -hmm. like sometimes, which has um, it's basically the same flashlight, but it has a little plastic diffuser on the end of it. Um, They they do. They they have like a million models. But um, that one that I showed first, the FC 11, literally, that's just from the top of uh, Zach's arbitrary list of flashlights. And he's got a section which is if you don't want to be an enthusiast, like if you're not looking to. reprogram these things yourselves right. or um you know it was his top of the list and i sort of went for it and it's been it's worked really well for me i have a a really tiny one that's that's a coin pocket size Ooh. and um i don't even know what battery but i've never even changed the battery because i carry it in my my bag and i use it um when i'm traveling all the time i'm see if i can just grab it and um maybe similar in size it's 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 like maybe it's just like oh six. yeah that looks i mean it looks very similar in size to this one yeah um so it's really tiny and it's called a mini called a mini i don't even know what the here's what the brand is i can't even see i can't tell i you know so i mean the community it's funny i i've i've done a tiny bit of looking on like this reddit flashlight community uh-huh. And one of the things that people will do on there um, is they'll sometimes, you know, they'll they'll find a flashlight they like, maybe in their coin pocket right, right, like right. yours, they'll get something from, from you know, a family member. Yeah. And there's people who kind of do identification. Um, yeah. So this. Oh is, wow! Yeah. Uh, I think this is the same. I can't. Oh yeah. Is here. that rechargeable? Uh, you know. Yeah. No, it's not. It's a CR two. Oh yeah. So like a um. Uh, CR2, is that like a coin, like a flat coin cell battery? Oh, no, it's the size oh, no. Here. oh, there I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a CR2. I wonder actually if that's like the same size as this 16340, but it's a non-rechargeable one. Right. So, so anyway, I, I, this is, I had this years. I'm still in the same battery because I don't use it that much, but I carry it in my, in my, you know, my, what's the word? My everyday, you know, my computer bag. And okay. I use it all the time. For when I'm traveling, because it's so tiny. Yeah, in some ways, travel is the place where some of this is most valuable. Like, I like um with the built-in USB charger. It also means you can leave it turn and that moonlight mode. Um, if I'm in a hotel or something, I'll often leave the flashlight turned on to moonlight on the bedside table, but plugged in charging, and so it kind of becomes a um it's night like light. a nightlight while it charges, right, right, and that right. helps me. That's find cool. the restroom or anything else that sure, I, I need to do great. during the night. Okay, well, that's a fabulous one. So the name of that one that you're recommending again is the... So it's, um, the company is Workos, W-U-R-K-K-O-S. Okay. Um, which may be one of these random company names, yeah, but, like um, it. but it's Workos, and this model is the FC-11. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Luke. So no, what's thank you. your second pick? Okay, so... Um, my second tool, I um, I have relied for a long time on timers. Um, I, you know, I can start a task and think I'm going to work on it for 15 minutes and be at it an hour later kind of thing. So um, I figured out a little while ago that, you know, I often 
Um, I want to sort of think about how long a task is going to take me and set a timer on it. And I used to, I used to use right. this guy, um, which I think actually I've seen uh, mentioned on Recommendo or Cool Tools yeah. before, uh, which is yeah. a timer called the Time Timer. Um, but I learned about a tool that I just love, um, which is called Stage Timer, and it's a software, it's a web-based timer. So, so this, um, this is a web-based timer. Uh, it's called Stage Timer. The website is stagetimer.io. Um, and they have paid stuff with fancy features. Um, but if you just go to the website, you'll see there's a big green button that says create a timer and the free version tends to work fine. Um, and what you can do is you can just set up by default, it's a 10 minute timer. Um, and if I hit go, it'll start to count down from 10. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just got a, you know, a clear display that you can put on a phone or on a web browser on your computer, or you can put on an iPad um, and it sort of counts down. It's got a green bar at the bottom. And as you get towards the end of the timer, it turns uh, yellow and then ultimately red. Um, and you can make it do all kinds of fancy things like flash at people um, to get their attention. Uh, you can also show uh, messages on the screen or whatever, but Kind of the killer feature, the thing that I really love about Stage Timer is that you can send a link to this timer to somebody else and they can open it on any phone, tablet, web browser, anywhere on the internet. Um, and while you control it, they can see the same timer that you're seeing. And so what, what, would, what, what would be a use for that? So um, I will use this a lot if I'm doing um, like an online conference or session. Um, suppose that you and I right now had a, you know, a hard stop at an hour. I often have a meeting like that. And so I could set up a one hour timer and you could have it open on your uh, phone or on your tablet or something sitting um, in your desk. And I have it open on my desk and we're both seeing the same timer. So often I'll send this to if we have speakers in an event that we're putting on, um, we can send the same link to everybody. And rather than share the screen in a Zoom meeting and then the audience gets to see it as well, it's just the speakers or the director or the organizer who uses it. Another way I've used this is um, at a conference uh, or a classroom, I, I teach in the classroom, um, I can open the timer up on like an iPad or a laptop and just sit that in the front desk um, facing the speaker. And then we can, you know, keep time for people without having to have somebody holding up, um, you know, index okay. cards with numbers written on them or anything like that. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the, the basic use for me. And then once I started using this, um, I have started using some of the other stuff as well. So it has, um, it has the ability, for example, you can enter messages. Um, and so, one thing you can do is um, you could have a person who's helping run the timer. And if a question comes up, say in like a Zoom chat or something, um, they can type that into the control window mm -hmm. and then it'll show up on the screen mm -hmm. where the speaker is able to see it. Or any other kind of a note. Yeah, exactly. So you can kind of, it's a way to, it's, it's originally this tool was developed um, I think mainly for people who worked in like event production. So people right, who were right, putting right. on conferences and shows, mm -hmm. um, I tend to just use it sort of for myself and for my collaborators, mm -hmm. but it does have, um, it also has stuff like you can, uh, you can sort of surreptitiously um, give people extra time. So you can add a right, minute right, or you can right. remove a minute. 
Right. Um, and so if you're running behind schedule, mm-hmm. it will uh, it'll sort of let you try to adjust. And you can add more than one timer. So you could have your whole agenda of separate people. And you could say, right. you know, Kevin's going to do a 15-minute introduction. Mm-hmm. And then Mary is going to talk for seven minutes. And then, you know, Shiva's got 19 minutes after that. And it'll sort of flow through the whole agenda. And you can add and remove time as you need to. Yeah, I see that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're right. It is for for people who are running conferences or seminars and things like that, where you may have more than one person involved or more than one uh, what's the word? More than one clock <laughs> that you're yep. that mm-hmm. same time. So I'll actually, I when I teach, um, so I teach a, a sort of a lab style class mm-hmm. where um, what I'll do is I'll put you know I'll put a ninety minute timer that is just for me that's showing how long there is left in the whole rest of the class. But then I'll also set up, um, if we're doing say, you know, a a programming exercise or something, um, I'll set up another timer for five minutes. And then after I introduce it, I'll say to the students, okay, let's all work on this for five minutes together. And I'll hit go and that's up on the big screen. Everybody can see it count down as I walk around the room and work with groups and students. And then when that goes off, it helps bring the whole room together. Right, right. Very well. I love that. It's really great. Uh, and this, I, I should just, the last thing I'll say about stage timer is um, this, as I understand it, is kind of a, you know, a passion project or a labor of love for its its developer. Um, so this is made by uh, a husband and wife founder team. Um, and I only know that because I've, I've had some correspondence with them where there's things that I said, oh, I really love it, but I would love to have a feature that does, you know, um, X. And they're very, very responsive to users um, I think they sort of made something that they that they wanted themselves for their own purposes, and um, and so this is this is you know indie software as its be- at its best, um, and Lucas and Liz Herman who put this together, um, I think they kind of continue to to sort of improve it in response to things that people like to see. Well, it looks very very practical and useful, and um, I'm great. I'm just really grateful that we can know about it. So thanks for bringing it to our attention. Thanks, Kevin. So, uh, um, Luke, what's your third tool? Okay, so my third tool is uh, is an electric scooter. Um, I can't wow. show you my scooter here. I, I understand, Kevin, I think that you're an e-bike enthusiast. Is that? I have been. Yes, I am. So um, I have ridden e-bikes, and I have really enjoyed riding e-bikes. Um, for me, the electric stand-up scooter, um, the one that I have um, is made by... Segway, um, Segway or Segway Ninebot, which I guess is two companies that merged, seem to sort of be, um, I don't know if they're the leader, but they seem to kind of be the recommended models. And mm-hmm. unlike a lot of the other electric scooters, these are like the stand-up, um, uh, almost like a kick scooter, but with a motor in it. So you stand on the scooter and have your hands on a handlebar. Um, there's not a seat. And Segway Ninebot, when I was looking for one of these, they were what seemed most recommended. Um, they also like they have um, UL Underwriters Laboratory certification on their models, and they sort of seem to have safety and quality that not all of the competing companies have. And that's part of how I wound up with this. But um, I got my scooter related in part to my my eye surgery and my retina detachment. Um, there was a little while where I was uh, I was legal and safe to drive a car mm-hmm. after I'd recovered from my surgery, but I decided from a risk management perspective, I didn't really want to drive my car yet 
because the consequences of having an accident right, weren't right. just on me, they might be on other people more. And, um, and so I, I got this electric scooter um, and started using it for my commute. And now, I mean, I'm fully back to driving and stuff, but I, I use the scooter absolutely as much as I can. Um, and the main thing relative to an e-bike for me, because mm -hmm. I have enjoyed when I borrowed those, uh, is it's really small. It fits easily in the trunk of my car. Um, and so I sometimes do stuff like I live outside of Boston. If I'm going to downtown Boston or to Cambridge, it can be really hard to park. The traffic's bad. So I'll drive um, the first three quarters, park mm -hmm. in a, there's some park and drive commuter style parking lots, and then just zip on the scooter the last few miles. And it's also small enough that I can just, I, I put it in my office. I don't have to lock it up outside. If I'm teaching, I drive straight to the classroom building and I just put it in the back of the classroom. I've had it, you know, under the table at coffee shops. Um, I've had it under the bar uh, at, at bars, although you don't right. want to drive it home after you've had a lot of drinks. Right. And so um, there are a lot of scooters out. Of course, now there's the whole public share scooter, you know, the limes and everything else. City, almost every city has some version of them. Mm -hmm. New York City is is flooded with um, shareable um, scooters. Uh, in, in technically, in terms of of comparing them to these, what, why did you go with the the Segway version? What was what was the superiority about that? So, um, so we do not. I, I live in the suburbs, um, and I work in the suburbs, and we we don't have. Um, we don't have a, a scooter sharing model here. Sharing, but, but in terms of the, is a similar kind of quality? Is is the so actually? Yeah. So actually, the the um, my understanding is that Segway is one of the major manufacturers that makes the um, the scooters for like Lime and Bird and some of the sharing companies. So they they are um, they're not like incredibly light. They're fairly you know they're fairly bulletproof. Um, heavyweight models because I think a lot of the designs have been made mm -hmm. um, to kind of be parked on the street. Right. I've used the I've used the scooter share. Um, I actually I was in London recently for work and I I rode you know the the shared electric scooters. Um, I think sometimes there's people who have a perception and people have said this to me when they've like I'll evangelize mm -hmm. the scooter um, as I think the electric bike folks tend to you know you ride these things and and you wind up an evangelist. I think a lot of people think of them as as good for urban life, mm -hmm. um, and they may be. But I I actually think I actually think these personal electric vehicles, um, they're fantastic for the suburbs. Um, people who you know are used to going everywhere in their car, um, you know, if you really reflect on it, like a lot of the driving that I was doing was less than three or four miles each way mm -hmm. and was by myself. Right. Right. Um, and and so those are exactly the rides where um oh there's the timer uh the timer beeping which we're not going to use anymore um i think there's a lot of people who you know they there isn't necessarily public transportation that's effective where they live there isn't necessarily scooter share or bike share and so the norm just becomes so strongly to hop in your yeah, car yeah. right um and this thing is it's i'm happy every day Right. If I ride that scooter to work, when I get right. there, I have a smile on my face. And I assume you you wear a helmet. Oh, for sure. So right. you will right. not be surprised to know that not only do I wear a helmet, but given um, 
given my enthusiasm for flashlights, uh, I'm also well illuminated. Um, so no, so I'm. Um, so 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 what my reservation for the scooters has always been my experience and maybe the, the non-electric versions of them, but I just felt that 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 you know um the I felt that they could be they weren't as stable in terms of like a pothole or a bump in the road or something that could really throw you. And that was so do you ride on the street or do you ride on the sidewalk or what's that policy? Anyway? Um I don't so I don't ride on the sidewalk. Um, okay. I ride in a bike lane where there's a bike lane, and then is that, is, is that the sort of legal place for them these days, or what? What, what I don't even I don't even know what the the, the policies are. So I I think I mean I think the legal situation varies maybe state by state or you know, um, even municipality by right. You know we I, I know we have viewers and listeners all over the world, so I I don't. And I'm not a lawyer. I, I, you know, I think for me, um, the key thing is, well, certainly, so there's using protective equipment. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, you know, I feel safer whether I'm on a bike or on the scooter when I'm able to go at the speed of traffic kind of mm -hmm. to keep up. Um, and so the, you know, the scooter I have, it's the Segway Max. They have a couple different Max models. The one I have, I think, is the G30 LP. Um, they, they, they tend to max out um, at about 19 miles per hour. So, That's you know, it's, it's... On a scooter. That's crazy. Yeah, so, so you, you, were, you raised the right concern. Like, you would not want to hit a big pothole. You'd, you'd right. be nervous about hitting a big pothole. Um, and I think, you know, I, I've ridden bikes a lot, um, you know, traditional pedal bikes more than electric bikes. You don't want to hit a big pothole, you know, going 16 or 19 on a bike either. Right, right. Um, but the scooter has smaller wheels. So, right. so you're right to, you know, you're right to sort of be nervous or a little bit nervous about that. I, my guess is that really the trade-off is, you know, on a bike, conventional or electric, you do have more stability, you have bigger wheels, mm -hmm. but you have something which is is sort of physically more cumbersome and you certainly aren't going to bring into your office or into a cafe with you unless you have the space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, here the roads, you know, where I'm in New England, we get ice and we get potholes, but, um, you know, I, I tend to ride on kind of my regular commute route has a bike, uh, a bike lane most of the way. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's, felt, it's, it's felt pretty safe to me. I would be more nervous riding in New York City um, I, you know, I don't know that I'd ride my scooter at my parents uh, in New York City just because the potholes are worse. Yeah, um, yeah. But here I kind of feel good about it. Well, great. And so um, what does the Segway Max run for? So um, so the one that I have, the G30 LP, it's it's the smallest of the Max line. <laughs> um, and smallest has mainly to do with the the range. So the thing that makes them bigger and more expensive is that they have big batteries and the batteries are part of what's expensive. Um, this small max that I have, um, I think now they're about five fifty or $600. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the range numbers on all of these things are advertised, you know, assuming that you weigh like 125 pounds <laughs> and you go very slowly and the wind is at your back. Mm -hmm. Um, realistically I could probably get 13 or 14 miles. Mm -hmm. on it sort of going you know as fast as i could right, um right. Uh, the they're 
there are some higher end max models. Um, there's one actually, I think, which is coming out uh, this or next month called the Max G2. That one's about $800. And then there are bigger and more expensive ones that have suspensions and go faster. But, um, but I've, been, I've been pretty happy with, with sort of the smallest and lowest end of the max range. Whereas um, what I like about that, that max range from Segway is they are those sort of bulletproof heavyweight Mm -hmm. um you know commuter ones um right, right. they make a lot of sort of more toy like models um that i just don't necessarily trust from sure. what i've read to have the same longevity so probably 550 or 600 dollars. Okay. well thanks for that that's that's really a great recommendation um and um i haven't tried those recent ones so i should give them another try sometime i think I if you're i think you're if you're up for it um you know, especially if you're already doing electric vehicles, it's uh, it's it's yeah. worth a try. Yeah, uh, it definitely, and and that's as you're suggesting, and I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's the future of transportation. More and more options. Cars are never going to go away. I love my electric car, but um, we want to have other options, and so um, more things like bikes and scooters, or even the Segway itself. I yep. think. Could come back. I, I I totally agree. I think it lets you. I think it lets you. Um, it lets you do some of your trips, even if not all, in a lower impact way. And then it also. Um, so our family is we we are still a two car family. Um, mm -hmm. we're two cars plus my scooter, but um, I do think that whether it's e bike, scooter, you know, I see people in electric unicycles. I mean, there's this proliferation of things people are trying. And I think it will also probably allow a lot of folks in the suburbs in particular to maybe go from being a two-car family to a one-car family, right, for example. Right. Or in an urban area, um, maybe instead of, you know, feeling like you need a car mm -hmm. um, that you don't use as often, you can get away with using a car share um, because you have an ability to do more of these trips other ways. So I think this stuff is really powerful. It is. I agree. Well, thanks, Luke. That's really great. So... How about your next tool? What? Okay, what, so I have a fourth tool, which is um, which is pretty different. Um, this the other things I've mentioned have kind of been lifestyle focused or professional or transport. Um, my last tool is sort of family focused, um, and it's a it's a it's a ukulele. Okay. Um, it my my tool is a ukulele in general. Um, although my specific ukulele um, is made by a company called Donner. Um, it's available on Amazon. I think they're about, you know, this, this model I think was like 50 or $55. Although mm -hmm. there's, there's cheaper ones, um, which tend to be terrible and there's more <laughs> expensive ones that I'm sure are great for aficionados, but, um, I've tried a couple different ones and, you know, roughly $50 seems to be, uh, about the, the sort of magic, uh, the magic sweet spot. Okay. So for $50, you can get a ukulele. For $50, you can get a, a, a sort of a decent ukulele, right. um, or, you know, or better than decent. Right. Um, so this is, um, for me, this is like an incredible hack for, um, for family life, mm. for engagement with my kids who are elementary school aged now. Um, I got the first uke um, after my first daughter was born. Mm -hmm. And I had grown up playing piano, never very well, um, and bass guitar, even worse mm -hmm. uh, than piano. 
and I love music and I'm not a talented singer, but I love singing and I love listening to music and kids love music and they love singing and they love yeah. instruments. Um, but I wasn't going to play the bass guitar while I sang lullabies. <laughs> it doesn't really work that way. Um, and, uh, you know, we have an electric keyboard, but um, mm. I wasn't going to, you know, drag that up into the kids room. Um, and so I wanted, you know, I wanted to get a sort of an instrument that we could have around the house. Um, I didn't know how to play ukulele before, but, you know, I did a little research and I talked with some musician friends who sort of said, um, you know, this thing is easy to learn. It's not too loud. Um, and it has been, it has been incredible. So we, we were not sort of musical. Um, my wife and I, we, we did music growing up, but we didn't, you know, we didn't, have a lot of music in our lives day to day uh, between sort of when we were kids and when our kids were born. And now, um, you know, we sing with the kids, you know, not necessarily every night uh, anymore. Um, a ukulele relative, say, to a guitar. Um, guitar, I think, is much harder to learn. It's great, but a guitar is harder to learn. Ukulele also, it's really small. So yeah. um, it just tucks, like, if we go... Um, see friends when we go camping uh it just tucks in the trunk it tucks in the back seat it's not very expensive if it gets banged up sort of who cares um and and the last thing that i would say is it's not just that it's easy to learn to play for a grown-up and i don't mean to become a professional i just mean you know three four five six chords that you can accompany a lullaby a campfire sing along a christmas carol if that's what you're into um but it's easy enough and it's small enough that kids with five minutes of instruction can learn a chord or two and yeah. even fairly small kids who see you playing it, um, you know, if they're excited, you can get them um, accompanying themselves. And that's, you know, that's sort of a real gift as well. I think you're right. Absolutely. And there's plenty of YouTube tutorials these days teaching things like this. And that's what I did. I, I just, I just had YouTube. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't take lessons. Um, right, I'm right, sure right. I would, you know, I'm sure it would be better if I did. Right, right. Um, and it, the, the other thing I have that goes with it, um, are these incredible songbooks, um, called rise up singing. Okay. If you've seen this. No, I haven't. So, um, the original rise up singing, um, was put out by a magazine called sing out magazine which oh i, think I remember singing was involved like in starting 70s, like in the 70s yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. so the original rise up singing um i mean the the there's a there's an introduction and editorial assistance from pete seeger um it's by peter blood and annie patterson who i think were the kind of the publishers of sing out and um yeah it was originally published in 1988 it looks like and what these are is they are um they're just they're songbooks they're spiral bound they're on amazon and they have hundreds of songs um, with just lyrics and chords. There's no sheet music. And mm. so you can't use it to sing a song or to play a song that you've never heard or that you don't know. But, um, you know, if, if somebody around the campfire or whatever says, hey, can you play, you know, whatever, it's got an alphabetical index, it's got a topical index. And so oh, wow. somebody says, oh, yeah, do you know any Beatles songs? Um, you know, it's got a bunch of Beatles songs. It's got um, all kinds of music from all different eras and they're spiral bound books that are cheap. And you said that it has chords. So it doesn't have sheet music. 
what, what do the chords are just, uh, what does that even look like? I don't know what that means. Um, so it's a little hard for me, I think, to hold up and get focus yeah. on the camera. These, these are these kind of, well, you can also describe it for the benefit. Yeah. So I, I, I would, so, you know, literally it'll say, um, for, you know, I, I flipped open to this random page and here's yellow submarine by the Beatles. Okay. Um, it's got the lyrics and then it says that the chords are a D E minor a. Okay. So it just says A, D, E minor Does that a. mean anything to you? It means something to me. Um, and the reason it means something to me, so it does, there are some chord charts in the back of the book that right, will show right, you right, how to right. play those things on guitar. But So those, you know, four, those four chords are all you need to play the song? Yes, those four chords are all you need to play the song. But it's not and telling we, you when to shift or shift the chord. They're just assuming you know the general. Exactly method. right. Exactly right. So it, it just gives you, it's, it's sort of like it's it's not a it's not a schematic. Um, it's it's sort of a sketch. Hint, um, yeah, it's a hint, and and it tends to be a hint, in my experience, which is you know it's a good enough hint that um, if you sort of know how to hum along mm. to the song "Yellow Submarine" by the Beatles, um, you're not going to get it perfectly. But as long as you know A, D, E minor, A. And part of the magic of of music is that actually, you know, A, D, E minor, A turn out to be enough chords to play <laughs> not just Yellow Submarine, but, you know, probably a hundred other songs right, right, right. in there. Um, you can sort of get through, you can get through a, a lot, enough to kind of keep the, the, the campfire going. That's a great, fabulous tool that, that uh, people should know about. My wife kind of dabbles in trying to learn the ukulele. And so I should let her know about these books. Yeah, they're really, they're, um, they're wonderful. And they're, there's, they're not, in, they're not instrument specific at all. So, um, uh, the, 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 it's rise, it's rise up singing. Um, I guess the subtitle it's called rise up singing, the group singing songbook. And there's, and there's two volumes. So that was the original. Um, and then they put out a sequel, which is called rise again. Okay. Um, and the main difference between them is, I mean, they have different songs, but in particular, um, the original Rise Up singing, I would say, is kind of disproportionately um, classic, you know, classic songs. There's a bunch of gospel and madrigal um, carols, religious songs, some jazz. There's a little bit of kind of more pop mm -hmm. from the... 70s and 80s but but not much the book came out in 1988 uh -huh. um and then with the rise again songbook they added some more of that but the rise again book has more um you know they've got they've got elton john and they've got okay. um the grateful dead and and uh pop. crosby more, stills and nash yeah and yeah stuff. More, more current yeah. okay well that's that's a great uh bonus i appreciate that bonus uh pick um, so look, um, tell something you're excited by and something you want to share with our, with our audience. Thank you, Kevin. So, you know, I, I, I've, I know often you sort of frame that for people as, you know, asking about a passion project and, um, you know, for me right now, I would say my, my sort of passion time is mainly devoted towards, um, towards being a good, you know, dad and family member and, and, um, and that's perhaps less interesting to talk about. So, you know, what I might just just sort of chat about for a minute is, um, you know, I teach, uh, I research and I teach, but I teach. And 
part of what I have been working really hard on over the last kind of three years, especially since the pandemic started, was figuring out how to use technology to teach effectively outside the physical classroom. Um, you know, we went fully online at the start of the pandemic. And even now that we're mostly back in person, um, I sort of see the, the ability to use um, good tech in the classroom um, at, or as an ancillary to what we do in the room as just really, you know, a, a way of helping people learn a lot. So that's been something I focused on a lot. I've, I've worked on um, putting together some tutorial videos and stuff on how to do things like um, video production for using Zoom from home. Um, and, and that's stuff that I, you know, that I use a lot. Um, I can show you, so it's kind of, this is, this is what I'm seeing um, as I talk to you. So, you know, I, I've kind of got um, me and you and, and notes um, and a clock. And this is some of the sort of stuff that I try to use um, when I'm teaching from home and that I have some tutorials on my YouTube channel and, and on Twitter um, to try to help people with. I, under the umbrella, I'm kind of calling that teach from home technology. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, but actually, that's very closely connected to, I think, what I love so much about the Cool Tools podcast. Mm -hmm. um, because I see this podcast in a way, um, you know, I learn a lot whenever I watch it and I learn it from the guests that you have on. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, you know, you're the teacher, you're the through thread. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, I think that um, much in the same way that I try to figure out how to be the guy that's in the room with my students, that's not just teaching them, but that's really facilitating, helping them teach and learn from each other. Mm -hmm. um, that I see your role on Cool Tools as being about bringing out the best, um, I hope the best mm -hmm. from your guests um, and helping the, the listeners and the viewers learn. So, um, so that's what I'm working on. I, I think it ties with, with some of what I've found so inspiring um, in this project and, and with what you've worked on. And, so I would say thank you. Um, thank you for that. For sure. And, um, and if folks want to learn more about, you know, my work in that area, mm. um, you know, my YouTube channel and, and I have a Twitter, all my stuff is, is just my name, Luke Stein, uh, is kind of the place that I, that I have that out there. Yeah, we'll certainly have those links um, in the show notes for those who want to follow up. And I do recommend that they do. Um, Luke, one of the things I did notice, and you were just showing your tools of how you do your Zooming and your teaching is that um, you've mastered the technology of having really great eye contact in your um, in these zooms? So, where is your camera placed? Uh, okay, so um, my camera is is actually behind a teleprompter, right? Um, and so, um, thank you for the compliment on that. So the the um, Unfortunately, it's a little tricky for me to show people what the setup show it's like looks a mirror. like. Um, no, no. So, so what I have is, um, I have my camera in in a teleprompter, right? Um, and that is a. You know, I think the teleprompter is about about eighty dollars, and it's it's right in front of me, right. above the computer screen, right? And then on the teleprompter, um, what I'm showing on that screen is a video of you. And right. a video of me, and then the the clock, which is stage timer, one of right. the tools that's I showed what you. We see, right? You're you're seeing. So so the um, the teleprompter, and and for your camera, are, what are you using for your camera? Um. So the camera is a um, it's an Olympus. 
So it's like, uh, it's like a digital camera. It's a digital camera, yeah. And it's um, and I can't, I, you know, it's 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 an old one. It's an old one, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's an yeah. old digital camera, okay, and which looks through the teleprompter for people, and then which is a half silvered mirror. Ex exactly that, right. So there's so a half silvered mirror, and then there's a little screen. Is the screen below it on uh, horizontal? Exactly right. So the screen is yeah. below it horizontally, and then um, you have to flip the screen the is the screen is like a little seven inch. Right. Um, external monitor that's made for this purpose. I think it's, they're about a hundred. Right. Excuse me, about a hundred dollars. Right. Um, and then that reflects in the mirror above it. Right. And so the camera shoots me through the mirror. Right. Um, but then I can see. Um, I can see you. And I, you know, it it works really well for this kind of one-on-one -on -one yep. meeting. Yep. But um, but I also use this when when I'm teaching. Sure. Um, and I can put the whole grid view of all of the students right, right, in a class right. or all the audience in a presentation and try to sort of look at them um, while the, while the sure, slides yeah. are going. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, this, for me, this was, you know, this is like, this is not, you know, I, I, I wouldn't push anybody to invest in this if they sort of aren't also excited about the technology. Or, or but doing I think if you're excited about the tech, the eye contact piece Right. just makes an enormous difference to be able to look people right in the eye. Right. So, so um, maybe we'll put, if I can remember to put a link in, but Matt Mullenweg, founder of um, WordPress, um, has talked about his own little device, which he uses because he travels. So he sets it up, the teleprompter, the camera, and everything. And it's very, very effective because their entire company is remote. They don't even have any physical headquarters. They have thousands of employees. and. Oh, wow. Um, this is the main the main avenue of communication. So getting that dialed down has really been great. But that's he uses something similar, which is that's very cool. I mean, I, my understanding is that some of the original innovation on this was um, was from I think Werner Herzog and the Interatron. Right. Um, well, it's it's been around it's been around a long time. But teleprompters and yeah, so you course. have a camera co coming through the teleprompter. Um, and there are versions of them. There's homemade versions. You can get one, as you say, pretty inexpensively. Um, I use one for my recording of um, videos instead of traveling. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the same thing. Um, but you can also cheat a little bit uh, by putting a camera right in the center of your screen. And yep. there's, there's one I made myself, and there's one called Center Cam. And I've seen I've seen that center cam. Um, I'm going to step only for one second. Um, to show. So I I've I've I use this sometimes if I'm right, I right. wouldn't fly with it, but this is a it's a little gooseneck. Right. Um, and I use it to do exactly that, which is you know just put a little webcam right on the top of this gooseneck, right, and it right, can sit right. right in the middle in front of the, right, the right, screen. Right, right. Anyway, um. Your solution is really elegant. It works very well. Um, if other people are interested, I'd, I'd uh, recommend at least go look at Matt Mullowig's, um yeah. blog about how to I'm going to definitely check that out. Thank you, Kevin. Um, but I really appreciate, Luke, your intensity, your spirit, your your enthusiasm, which is worth a lot. So thank you. If, and also for participating and volunteering uh, and sharing your tools. So thank you. You're very kind, Kevin. The pleasure truly is mine. Thank you so much for having me and for chatting today. This year, our Cool Tools blog will be 20 years old. 
which means we've been posting something new every day for 20 years. It's only possible because of the very engaged and knowledgeable readers and listeners like yourself. You've kept this place going, and we are very grateful for you. With this idea of 20 years in mind, um, we decided to try an experiment this year, and I'm inviting our guests and listeners to join me on our Cool Tool Show and Tell, which is the program that you're listening to right now. So if you feel you'd make a good guest on this podcast and have four uncommon tools that you'd like to share with us, um, please sign up on our form on the website and we'll see about inviting you. You must be comfortable taking all, talking on a video and um, you need to have some tools that you can show um, we record on, as you know, on Zoom. We do a YouTube version, a visual video version of it, as well as an audible version. Fill out the form if you're interested and um, list your four, four cool tools and we'll see if there's a good fit. The applications aren't guaranteed in any way. Um, and we're looking at tools that are new to us and appropriate tools and um, whether the times will work for you. So um, we're really interested in hearing from people all over the world, not just in the U.S., although the tools have to be available online, easily available online. And um, if you are a longtime listener, you kind of know what the definition of our tools are. They're very broad. They can be anything that's handy, from something in the kitchen to something you use to travel to a workshop to something professional that we may not know about. We're really interested in things that we don't know anything about. So um, this is an open invitation. We'll give it a try. If you think you make a good guess for this podcast, um, fill out the form. There'll be a link somewhere on our website. Um, and we look forward to, to chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you.